0: From Dowdy down low, and they score! Gregstrom in game number one, has tied it with his first NHL goal. Wagner, down the middle, scores! First career goal, Austin Wagner. Here's Luff looking for his first, scores! Matt Love! first NHL goal, and the Kings have a lead. What's Luff got to do with it?
1: Hello and welcome to Crown Conversations. Joining me today is a special guest, John from the SBN Devils blog, All About the Jersey. John, thanks for joining me.
0: Thank you for having me, Robin.
1: All right, so let's get this out of the way. The Devils did not really live up to expectations this year.
0: (laughs) No, they haven't. It's been depressing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know a little bit about that. Um, although I guess to be fair, the Kings were expected to be bad, but the Devils, it, well, at first they looked kind of like a plucky, un- looks like a plucky underdog, and then they never really got better. So even with two top picks in the last three years, like and a new coach, what has not gone right for New Jersey?
0: Well. I apologize for the awkward pause because I don't know whether to give the short answer or the really long answer.
1: <laughs> uh, so, the elevator pitch, I guess. <laughs>
0: all right. So the short version is whatever could go wrong without injuries did go wrong. The coach's strategies, that would be the coach, John Hines, who is the head coach of the team since 2015. Um, his strategies turned out to be a completely terrible fit for the roster. The goaltending has been very poor under him and after he was fired, while the Devils have become a more offensive team, their defense have has been legitimately one of the worst in the NHL. And so even with some slightly better goaltending play, mostly from Mackenzie Blackwood, it's a simple equation. You give up a way more shots and attempts than normal. It doesn't matter if your goaltender is just a little bit better cuz you're giving up goals anyway. <laughs> and so and so everything has been spiraling um, pretty much around that same time period. Uh, John Hines was fired after his after four and four seasons and change back in December. He Taylor Hall was traded for a bunch of parts uh, to Arizona, and the general manager that put all this together, the guy who succeeded the legendary Lou Lamorello, Ray Shero, he was fired hours before their game against Tampa Bay last month. So, yeah. The Devils don't have a GM. They don't have a head coach. They ownership is unhappy, and so are the fans. Good times.
1: <laughs> so, everything sounds like it's going well in New Jersey. <laughs> um, yeah, so, no coach, no GM, no Taylor Hall, but at least you have P.K. Subban, so...
0: Yeah, that's another thing. Um, P.K. Subban is having the worst season of his career. Oh, no. On top of the fact I'm I'm legitimately convinced the coaching staff, mind you, the interim head coach of the New Jersey Devils right now is Elaine Nazardine. He's going to be the man behind the bench uh, when the Devils play Los Angeles tomorrow. And he was the defensive – he was responsible for the defense under John Hines. He's been a longtime assistant of Hines, not just in New Jersey, but in their previous tenure with Wilkes-Barre-Scranton in the AHL. And amazingly, with Nazardine as interim head coach, the defense has become worse. And I'm fully convinced that the defensive strategy means defensemen, you have all the time in the world to make plays and keep pucks in play because nobody's going to cover you. And I'm not sure what they're telling Subban because it isn't working. <laughs> it's it, it's mind boggling how a guy with now too much of an injury history, he's just turning 31, he's former Norris Trophy winner, and the Devils are making him look like a chump. It's sad, Robin. You hate to see it, because I hate <laughs> seeing it.
1: <laughs> well, he seems like such a good dude, so I've, I've been rooting for him. But it, it is kind of sad that his career trajectory has just sort of fallen off a cliff a little bit here. Um, well,
0: it certainly doesn't help that he's making $10 million in base salary this season. So that's another reason why I imagine Josh Harris, the owner, is a, he's not a happy man right now. He knew what he
1: was getting into with that $10 million base salary, though.
0: True, he did. He also expected a team that would fight for a playoff spot, and instead the Devils have a money puck uh, prediction percentage of below 1% right now. So, (sighs) like I said, it's depressing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Kings have had an E next to their name since about November. Uh, (laughs) Not officially, of course, but uh, yeah. So, I I know how it goes with the sucky season, so – This is going to be an interesting game because I think the Kings have one of the league-worst save percentages at even strength, or maybe not even strength, but yeah. So one of the league's worst save percentages against one of the league's worst defenses. So yeah, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I'm, I'm a little excited and a little bit, not nervous, but a little bit apprehensive maybe because this could really be a crap show
0: <laughs> it could be or it couldn't be i mean the devils at least under nazardine have pulled off some bizarre performances for example their most recent game against philadelphia on thursday night in philadelphia mind you the devils got completely destroyed in five on five i mean they literally played 90 percent of the second and third periods in their own end of the rank. And the Devils not only managed to not only withstand the barrage of shots, mind you, Philly could have done a lot better than they actually did, but 46 shots on net is still 46 shots on net, no matter what the quality is. And the Devils managed to miracle their way to score five goals out of 17 shots. I mean, they literally scored on the first shot of every, every one of the three periods in regulation. It, it, it's one of those games where it's just beyond frustrating if you're a Flyers fan, and as a Devils fan, Well, you're just happy to beat the second-rate rivals in a most embarrassing fashion, but you also know full well this isn't going to last. So (laughs) a lot of things could happen. I mean, the Devils also have one of the worst uh, team-safe percentages in the league in five on five. I mean, Blackwood has been playing. He's he's coming off a fantastic shutout performance, but it's basically if Blackwood's good, then fine, and if he's not good, then it's going to be terrible, and... If I'm not mistaken, the Kings also have the league's worst five-on-five shooting percentage. So who knows if anybody's going to score any goals?
1: It's it's a mystery because the Kings are really weird. So yeah. they're decent defensively, um, oh, yeah. but like they don't give up that many chances in general overall. But no. they can score like two or three goals. It's just... For whatever reason they will score two goals and then that's it. They're scoring right. no more and they I don't know how many games they've lost this season where they have scored at least or uh, where they have gotten a two goal lead and somehow seeded that two goal lead only to lose in regulation, which is exactly what they just did against the Islanders uh, on Thursday night and it's incredibly frustrating to watch because you're going, but you had the lead. You were up th- three to one, and then it was three three, and then you stopped scoring. So is that uh like we we've talked. I mean, we Kings fans have talked extensively about. Well, maybe they just lack the horses, and I'm like, okay, yes, but maybe it's their defense that's the problem. Now, I don't know what the problem is, but this game tomorrow should be. Well, it should be a colorful. An interesting game
0: <laughs> it, it was it was a game that I think a lot of devil fans were looking forward to in the sense that they were expecting Ilya Kovalchuk to be on this roster but obviously that has changed and that was moved up a couple days uh, earlier this week um, much to the chagrin given what happened but I'm not going to talk about that because that's sad <laughs> uh, more importantly than that though from an outside perspective, the Kings, at least from a statistical standpoint, strike me as where the Carolina Hurricanes were three or four years ago. A team that had some fantastic five on five numbers. You know, as you said, a very good defense. They were generating offense. They were good at the expected goals model, thought they were really good. But as you said, they don't have the horses. They don't have the finish. They don't have the goaltending. They certainly don't have the power play. They don't have the penalty kill. It's like you've got part of the car. You may have the engine per se, but you don't have any wheels. Carolina eventually found some wheels. So <laughs> maybe you have those wheels in Ontario. Maybe you have those wheels <laughs> in the 2020 draft.
1: I think our wheels You're fell off.
0: To wheels tomorrow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, when we traded Jordan wheel, I think our wheels fell off. Sorry. Had to get that pun in there.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, sorry. I, I love bad puns. and. Well, maybe I'm not that sorry. I love bad puns, and I'm not that ashamed of it.
0: (laughs) Next time you do that, you should just say, I'm sorry, I didn't do it sooner.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Um, All right. Well, uh, Corey Schneider, uh, he is back with the Devils, is he not?
0: No. No.
1: He was, but now he's back in the AHL?
0: Correct. He was called up briefly because Blackwood had four teeth knocked out and potential concussion symptoms. So Schneider was called up on on a necessary basis and showed that he's not good. So he's back in Binghamton with the AHL team. He's actually playing literally as we talk right now.
1: I feel really bad for Corey Schneider. I mean, once upon a time, he was probably touted as the best American-born goaltender of his generation and now
0: he sucks. Well, unfortunately, Robin, um, you know, he's not old per se, but unfortunately, he plays a position that does not do well for your hips and your uh, your your abdomen, and unfortunately, ever since Schneider started picking up injuries in those regions of his body since, I want to say, 2017, thereabouts, like, his performances started dropping, and Unfortunately, we see it a lot of times in in, in sports. It's maybe a little more common in basketball where you blow a knee and then, you know, that's your career. You're not the same player again. Same with Schneider. You know, ever since he had the hip surgery, well, Devils fans like myself were hoping he'd rebound like Pecorine did in Nashville, whereas Rene needed like a year or two to really get his game back. Unfortunately, the injuries mounted again and the performances have just been simply unacceptable. So he's unfortunately deserved his – demotion and fittingly nobody picked him up on waivers certainly not with that contract but the performances look you can't you can't put up an 85 percent safe percentage in the nhl not these days and pretty much not ever
1: um jonathan quick says hello
0: well jonathan quick is having a better season than schneider
1: (laughs) (laughs) isn't that sad
0: (laughs) well yes yes it is (laughs)
1: um (laughs) All right, let's talk other guys on the roster. Um, Pavel Zaka, he was two years ago, I believe it was, 2017 first-round draft pick.
0: 2015.
1: 2015, wow. I can't do math. He's 22 already. Good Lord. So four years ago, (laughs) almost five years ago, uh, he was a highly touted, um, really highly touted Czech player, So how is he fitting in with the Devils?
0: Well, he's been a sort of controversy among Devils fans in that uh, shortly after he was drafted, Zach Rowenski, Ivan Provorov, Timo Meyer, Miko Ratnan, and later Matt Barzell were drafted after him. And um, Zaka has certainly not been an important player like those guys have been for their respective teams for that of that 2015 draft class. So he's been a source of frustration because he has a really strong shot, He has a good shot, but for whatever reason, he just doesn't play with the, excuse me, the um, aggressiveness, or more maybe more accurately, the initiative he needs to play as an offensive player in five-on-five hockey. Now, here's the rub, here, Robin. In five-on-five, Zaka is kind of a mystery in terms of like you have these tools. Why don't you put them together and do it more often? But you put him on a penalty kill, and he suddenly becomes one of the best penalty killers in the league. Like he will win pucks. He will make. Vital interceptions. He will cover players off the puck just as well. And if you give him an opportunity to go and score, he will absolutely go, take the shot, and finish it. Even a couple times, he actually just scored a shorthanded goal against against Philadelphia, thanks to Brian elliott's keeping five hole. But the fact of the matter is, in five on five, Zaka may defer that pass or not shoot it where he needs to shoot it, but put him in a shorthanded situation, and the man looks like one of the best players in the league, and statistically, he is. So, you know, you don't really want a penalty kill specialist to be your sixth overall pick. But at the very least, he's an NHL player, so you can't say he's a bust. It's just underwhelming, especially knowing who who went after him and what they have done in the league since then. But that being said, he's a devil. So, he'll stick around pending the whims and wants and desires of the new management that will come in, presumably, after this season ends.
1: Yeah, there's always those players that you kind of look at and you go, I don't understand you, but some things I hate, and then other things I look at you and go, I don't hate it that much. It's, it's a mystery, wrapped up in a conundrum, in a, an enigma. <laughs> um, all right, so who on the team right now is actually – performing well and deserves a lot of love
0: all right so I guess this would also serve as a preview for who should LA fans look out for in this game since they kind of go hand in hand I mean the guys who are doing well are the guys you need to be concerned with so that being said number one on the list is Blake Coleman arguably the best ever NHL player to come out come out of Plano Texas he is legitimately having a fantastic season he just scored his 20th goal against Philadelphia on Thursday. He's on track to setting a new career high in goals in just his third NHL season. Mind you, he's an older player. He was an overage draft pick. He had some injury problems coming out of uh, in his first pro season after college. So he is 28 years old, but he is a fantastic four checker. He's a very lovable player in the sense of, you know, he plays with the type of intensity that you'd like to see in a hockey player, but he's not like overly physical or to put it plainly stupid with his uh, body where he'll take a lot of needless penalties he's a great penalty killer great four checker and he shoots the puck a ton he's actually surprisingly among the top 10 in the entire league in terms of the shots on net so Blake Coleman will rip it he's not yeah you're not going to confuse him with Austin Matthews or Alex Ovechkin or anything like that but Blake Coleman is having a fantastic season and The pickle man himself, since he likes to drink pickle juice in the penalty box and now he hawks it on his website, um, he's the first player that Kings fans need to be aware of. And, um, yeah, he's not going to necessarily bowl you over when you first look at him, but you're just going to notice he's going to have five shots on Cal Peterson before you know it. So that's the first player. The second player to recognize and respect out of the New Jersey Devils is Nikita Gusev, who plays opposite of Blake Coleman at wing. Gusev was a Vegas prospect who hung out in the KHL for a while, scored a lot of points in the KHL, and then um, the King, I'm sorry, Vegas tried to bring him in, didn't make it happen. So the Devils traded for him, and the Devils fans were very happy to get Gusev because he was arguably the best player outside of the NHL, and he demonstrated very quickly that he is not acclimated to NHL hockey right away. So he was bad. But a month and a half later. He finally acclimated to NHL hockey, and he's turned out to be very good. He's very good at making passes. He's very good at setting up Coleman for shots on net. And he has a very good shot of his own. He's very much a one-way player. Like, his defensive game is never going to be that great. But he's he's got that offensive sensibilities that give the, gives the Devils some much-needed scoring depth in theory after, after uh, what they have on the top line with Kyle Palmieri and the. Possibly Nico Heischer, which brings me to the third player, which is Kyle Palmieri. You may remember him as an Anaheim Duck. Well, he's been a New Jersey Devil for the past several seasons, and the pride of Montvale, New Jersey, as uh, you know, he continues to fire the shots really hard, really well, and he continues to find ways to score on a top line away from uh, Coleman and Gusev. So, this way, they that gives the Devils some needed scoring depth. He's arguably the team's top right winger and will probably take a line share of minutes. It's an open question if Nico Heischer is going to be healthy enough to play this game. He's been fighting a minor injury the past couple days. So you might see him next to Jack Hughes instead of Nico Heischer. But if you see Palmieri out there, just be aware if he has the puck on a stick, he's going to goal. And don't be surprised if he snipes one or two of them because he's quite good at doing that. And lastly, the player that you need to look up and be aware of is Mackenzie Blackwood, the goaltender. The Devils have had bad goaltending this season overall, but Blackwood has been the exception. And um, he's coming off a 46-save shutout. Under Nazardine, he's had this amazing 93% save percentage in five-on-five play. He's massive, but he's not so massive that he's immobile. He's actually quite athletic um, in spite of his large frame. And when he's focused, he's an incredibly difficult goaltender to stop because not only do you have the size factor, but you have to be concerned about the fact he's very quick at moving laterally. He's very quick in reactions. He's very quick with with his glove. He's not just guessing and throwing his body out there and hoping to make, make a stop. So, you know, if Blackwood, Blackwood is coming off a fantastic performance in Philadelphia, he should start this game against Los Angeles. If he does, I assure you, you're going to recognize who he is very quickly because he's probably going to be stopping a lot of shots unless Anja Kopitar or Tyler Toffoli or Alex Iafalo decide to have a heater.
1: Well, Alex Iafalo did solely win a game against the Coyotes shortly after the all-star break. So hopefully he can like get like whatever he was doing that day and just like feeling it. And hopefully he can like bring that performance back. It would be so nice. Um, yeah, but <laughs> who knows? <laughs> One day, like literally from shift to shift, I don't know who this team is because sometimes they're playing really well and you're going, oh my God, why can't you score? And then you're going, oh my God, how did the other team not score? <laughs> so it's really, it's it's been a, a roller coaster season for sure. <laughs>
0: Not only but, a roller coaster season, it seems like a season in transition,
1: too. Yeah, I mean, we knew, Kings fans knew coming into the season that uh, Rob Blake was gunning for another top five pick with the hopes that the team will be good enough to make the playoffs next year. Looking mm-hmm. at the roster, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Looking at the roster, I don't feel like this is a team that could even they could probably be a bubble team, maybe ninety points. I don't know if they'll get much more than than ninety three points. I, I don't I don't see it this year. Um, I, I guess it just depends on who comes out of Ontario looking like they're ready to to play. Like if we can get Jarrett Anderson Dolan up, that might change things. Uh, if Tobias Bjornfoot, if he's ready to play. Again, that you know that that might change things, or or it might not. <laughs> so so often these last few years we've had these prospects that look amazing in the AHL, and then they come up and they just for whatever reason, I, and I'm not saying it's it's lack of talent or whatever, but just for whatever reason they just don't quite stick in the NHL. And some of them are tweeners. Some of them are guys yeah. that are kind of like you go, "Well, he's fine." But right. yeah, with with the recent trade of Kyle Clifford um and Jack Campbell, it's definitely a season in transition.
0: Right. Now, I understand from uh, John Rosen that Cal Peterson is making his season debut. Uh, in this game has i've noticed he's not been amazing in ontario but then again i'm not following the ahl super closely for all i know a 90 points four save percentage on that team is really good is he good
1: he's a goalie so that's about the <laughs> <laughs> i'm not a goalie whisperer so i couldn't tell you he's got really good uh fundamentals so, what, what's really nice about Cal Peterson is that he is the, I mean, of course you say this about literally every goalie, but I mean, he is literally the goalie who does not give up on any shot. And he is the one who, kind of akin to Jonathan Quick and Andre Vasilevsky, where they throw their body and contort their body into the oddest positions, and the puck stays out. Um yeah. So yeah, he's got he's got really good fundamentals, but the the rain have had a really, well, they've been really bad this this season. Uh, they give up the league most shots of I think it was like thirty five or thirty seven shots on goal. So Ooh,
0: that's not good. It's <laughs> not good in any
1: league. <laughs> yeah, so part of his save percentage looks really good because they give up a lot of shots on goal, but part of it is also really bad because the team gives up a lot of goals.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cause you know, I think it's common among a lot of fan bases. You see goaltender you've never heard of or goaltender making a season debut or goal. I think in Peterson's case, he's only had what 11 games last season. So he's fairly unknown, I guess, at this level. So you wonder, oh, is he going to, you know, come out and be the next Dominic Koscik for this one night. And I'm not so certain of that. Um, Sort of related to that, if Blackwood doesn't get the start, (laughs) the Kings may have some opportunities to score lots of goals because Louis Domingue, let me tell you something, he doesn't do rebound control. (laughs) He just lets it fly. (laughs) You're sitting there eating a taco and wondering, man, this taco should use a kick, watch a Domingue game. Those rebounds are spicy enough to make you feel the heat. At least, you know, as a Devils fan, you're sitting there going, please, please, please do not bounce right to the uh, opposition and, you know, give up the easiest goal possible. Um, the Devils have talked a lot about splitting up Blackwood and Domingue Moore. Blackwood is technically a rookie and he's still fairly young as a goaltender. And whereas Domingue is 27 and definitely a tweener, he should not be in the NHL, in my opinion, but, um, you know, it's an open question whether or not they'll split this, you know, they'll split the starts. I, I got to think Blackwood will get the start. And with Peterson, you know, again, we'll see what he does. Hopefully the Devils give him plenty of work to do, a lot more work than they gave. Elliott and Alex Leon, in uh, Thursday. But then again, they scored five goals on Thursday. So you know, as long as Peterson can keep his legs closed, I guess he'll he'll be okay. Since those <laughs> Flyers <laughs> goaltenders I just mentioned did not—literally four out of the five goals. I be- Actually, no, three out of the five goals against were uh, five holders, just right through. Keep your yeah. legs closed. get stick there in um, the butterfly. <laughs> uh,
1: that is one risk with uh, a more butterfly style. Although the the goalie people that I follow on on Twitter, they're like, "No, it is not butterfly. Stop calling it butterfly." Yeah, I don't... yeah, yeah. Better <laughs> term than <winers.
0: laughs>
1: I don't know what to call it, so I'm just gonna call it butterfly. So yeah, he is more of the traditional butterfly style goalie when he's calm, uh, Peterson. That is when when Peterson is calm. When he is a little bit out of his element then he he becomes like jonathan quick and you go oh dear lord what are you doing oh my god not the 2012 jonathan quick that was like you know uh neo where he he looks at you and he just kind of brushes off the goal and he's like it's fine i got this no jonathan quick is well much like Corey schneider i think injuries have caught up to jonathan quick and he's his rebound control is okay but I think he still relies a lot on his explosive style. He's just not quite as as fast between the pipes anymore. And that's it, it's unfortunate because that split second difference does make a big difference if it's a goal or not, which is the craziest thing, but that's the NHL for you.
0: Yeah, and that's the nature of a lot of sports where, you know, losing that step so to speak is a lot and also not being able to make your reads, you know, if you start flinging your body just because you think the shot's going that way, but you're not reading the play. You're not looking at where the stick is located. You know if it's forehand or backhand. You know, that in of itself is a big difference. Not that the Devils are so good at disguising their shots. If anything, one of their biggest weaknesses, and this is another tip for uh, how the Kings could possibly uh, frustrate the Devils, is that the Devils like to do what uh, is known as high-low on offense in that they'll get the puck in deep to the corner They'll send two forwards to win the puck in the corner or behind the net or or basically around the perimeter. And then they'll look back and notice there's only one or two men open and they're both at the point. And so the point man gets the puck. And of course everyone and their mother's screaming shoot because nobody's within 10 feet of them, but they don't realize that a 60 foot unscreened shot is not a good shot to take in the NHL, much less in the sport. And <laughs> You know, lo and behold, they don't score a lot of goals that way. <laughs> you, know, you know, they don't even get the benefits of generating rebounds or tip-ins or anything like that because, well, they're just flinging it from a distance. <laughs> and, unfortunately, the Devils don't – they haven't figured out that they have the skilled players that could try to work closer down low. And I think the, the way they try to account for that is they try to win – they try to generate automatic man rushes from defense, but, again, without making good zone exit passes – and, you know, the fact that you've got forwards literally flying out of the defensive zone before the Devils can exit the zone, you could take three guesses as to what has been plaguing the Devils in some, in some regards. So if the Kings defensemen, not named Drew Doughty and not named Alec Martinez, are confident at the points and they're able to make stops and the wingers are good enough to go after the Devils at the point, they could do a lot of, uh, they could, they could, they could help themselves a lot by shutting down a lot of what the devils do on offense and at the same time expose one of their biggest issues on defense throughout the season regardless of opponent
1: it's just funny to me that you mentioned Drew Doughty because one of the things that always drove me the most crazy about his game is that he would telegraph the crap out of his shots i can see it from 300 feet away and i'm in the nosebleeds and staple center like i'm hanging out by the banners and he's over there waving his stick around. And I'm like, yeah, all right, you're going to take a slap shot. No wonder <laughs> no wonder you have such a low percentage of uh, success on that. But, but I say right. that as a bitter fan and not somebody who well,
0: really. <laughs> well, you're not wrong. It is a low percentage shot. I mean, think about it. Like, there's a reason why most pl- most power plays don't just fire away at will. And there's a reason why, you know, people, you know, risk their bodies going to the slot or going to the net. because those are the higher percentage shots. Taking the 50-foot 50, 50 shot that the goalie can see or somebody can easily block or deflect away, well, guess what? Most of those shots aren't even going to be on target, much less in the net. So, you know, I think – but, again, with the Devils, how they handle their, uh, the opposition defenseman from the point, pure doubt he's going to have all the time in the world to take that telegraph slap shot. And, hey, maybe it'll even work.
1: <laughs> it works – so a surprisingly large amount of times on the, on the power play, that's where he sees the most success with that slap shot. And I'm always like, don't do it. Don't do it. And then that's of course when he manages to score making me look like an idiot. So mm. that just, t- <laughs> that just tells What's you what the
0: real I lesson here, Robin?
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, John. Exactly. Professional. <laughs> <laughs> what? Come on. I am a professional fan.
0: <laughs> this is true. We are technically professional fans.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you only say that because you're getting paid to say it.
0: <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as uh, simple you know as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
1: Um, you know, I noticed that when you were talking about people to look out for, you did not mention once Jack Hughes.
0: Correct. I did not mention one Jack Hughes. Would you like to know why I did not mention one Jack Hughes? I would. Great. Because I'm not convinced the coaches know how to use him appropriately. And Hughes is having your traditional – I'm in, I'm now jumping up a massive level of competition, and it's not exactly going as easy as it did back to where he was, which is common for a lot of rookies. It's happened to Capo Caco. I'm certain it's happened to a lot of – kings rookies that i could possibly think and look in name except i'm not researching that right this second so just take my word for it but more seriously hughes definitely demonstrates a ton of skill on the puck he's very brave like he'll take the hits he'll take the pressure he'll go to the quote-unquote dirty areas to win pucks and draw penalties but the body is still the body and he needs muscle on that body he doesn't have a lot of it so a lot of those hits lead to turnovers or lost pucks, as opposed to taking a bump and then being able to continue onwards. And on top of that, and this is where my beef with the coaching comes into play, is that he's been relegated to this third line where he's mostly playing with Wayne Simmons, who is not at all playing like the Wayne Simmons you may remember when he was in Los Angeles, but playing like a Wayne Simmons in his uh, mid-early 30s, looking like he's in his late 30s out there, that, that's my best attempt of not damning him with faint praise there and playing with the aforementioned uh, enigma named Paul Zaka or with the very frustrating to watch at times, Miles Wood. basically 2 pl- he's being saddled with two wingers who really aren't shooters when the guy's bread and butter is setting up plays and making reads that no one else can. In recent games with Nico Fischer sure injured, Hughes has been playing more with Kyle Palmieri who in theory would be a great fit with him. However, the Devils' performances haven't been so good the last two games, so that line really hasn't gotten going, at least not as well as I would have liked. Hughes, Hughes has not found the score sheet very often, so that's why a number of Devil fans are very frustrated that here's this top pick and how come he's not amazing like Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews? But the but the harsh reality is that those guys are the exceptions to the rule, and we're and it, you know he's going to be more of that Jack Eichel, or Steve Stamkos where. The first season is going to be rough, but after then, once he figures it out, it's going to be amazing. And you can already see the flashes. It's just that there haven't been a lot of those flashes recently, and if he sure does play, then Hughes is going to be relegated to this um, tertiary line where he's not going to be as much of a threat as much as I'd like to be. That being said, I hope he proves me wrong and scores a hat trick tomorrow.
1: (laughs) I would strongly prefer he does not. The Kings just gave up a hat trick to a the other day. So I think exactly. we're good on hat tricks.
0: No, 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 no. Don't you know about giving? Don't you know about <laughs> charity? Why do you hate charity, Robin?
1: Because Why we're do you from not Los Angeles. Giving things away. <laughs> Look, Los Angeles is an incredibly selfish city.
0: <laughs> yes, but I know the Kings are sitting in 30th. And you know, I've got a friend, his name is Sherman Abrams. He loves he loves Tanks so much that he believes that Los Angeles would do very well, you know, to continue building that bubble around 30th place because they ain't going to catch Detroit, but they have, I want to say, a four-point deficit behind Ottawa, New Jersey, and San Jose. So, you know, if you really want that top five pick guaranteed, you know, you got to give it away. Give up the hat trick to Hughes or Blake Coleman or L. Give up a hat trick to Simmons. I think that would probably – nearly double his goal output this season no it wouldn't it would actually be close to bumping it up by 60 percent. but never mind give it away take the l please for sure <laughs> uh no we are not the uh
1: we are not the red hot chili peppers we are not going to give it away give it away give it away now <laughs> thank
0: you 1991 for that reference
1: uh, uh, uh Yes, when the Devils were last relevant. Ooh, ah, sorry.
0: (laughs) What are you talking about? The Devils devils were relevant from the mid-90s through the 2000s. I know. (laughs) I think you're mixing it up with the previous time before 2012 when the Kings were relevant, when they had Wayne Gretzky and Luke Robitaille and Yari Curry drag Marty McSorley's overrated you know, under-talented butt all over the ice at the for- old forum. But never mind. <laughs> this trash-talking leaves me no pleasure because both teams are bad and the stakes <laughs> for this game are rather low. And even if, even for the Sherman Abrams uh, proponents out there, nobody wins a lottery in game 54 of their respective season. Are you so, sure? I'm very sure. I've lived through this, and so have you.
1: <laughs> yes, all too often. Uh even even with Wayne Simmons.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: We lived Wayne through Simmons. Wayne Simmons 10 years ago when the team was really bad, and he was one of the team's best players. And I'm not trying to knock Wayne Simmons, because, you know, I'm sure he's like a good dude and everything, but uh, right. he just – he has a certain skill set in the NHL. Uh, th- does not require that level of skill anymore. It's, it's changed.
0: Well, here's another example of a guy that I think has lost a step and therefore it's really shown the fact that you're right he you know his skill set isn't as desirable. For some inexplicable reason the devil's coaching staff doesn't want to put him in by you know right on the right post on Power plays, which is how Simmons has made his money for the last de- last decade or so. They decide not to do that. but in the run of play, you know yeah, I'm sure he's a nice guy in the locker room. I'm sure, you know, the fans seem to take to him pretty well in New Jersey. Um, beating up a Ranger in a preseason game will help you do that. <laughs> uh, but more seriously, though, you know, I, you know, I'm big into the analytics and that sort of function of the game here. But uh, those analytics are not good. And neither is the fact that the man has been incredibly unlucky. He had a very long goalish drought that just ended last month. And even since then, He didn't so much get going afterwards. He's just sort of kind of there as a player. And um, already the rumors are already building up about who he's being dealt to, not so much if he'll be dealt, but who he will be dealt to. And, you know, I'm sure, as you say, he might be a good dude, but we're not talking about being good dudes here. You don't win hockey games by being good dudes. You you do it by being good hockey players. And truth be told, Simmons really hasn't been a good hockey player. He looks very much like a player who's entering the – hit entering uh, his 30s and finding out that Father Time always wins this battle, and uh, he's not going to suddenly lose to Wayne Simmons.
1: Yeah, it's kind of crazy how once the hockey players hit 30, that's a steep and swift descent into suckiness. Like, I mean, I get that physically the players will peak around 24, 25 years old, when, of course. You know most of them are just entering the league and they can kind of sustain their physical prowess to about age 28 29 but 30 and it's like (laughs) yeah just like
0: yeah well you know i don't know how old you are personally robin i'm 36 when you know i'm not an athlete by any means i'm certainly not an nhl athlete but when i was 29 or so you know I could write up until two in the morning and, you know, go to work at 6 a.m. the next day, or better yet, wake up at 6 a.m. to prepare for work at eight, but more, more, you know, you, you, you know, and, and you, you could go play ball the, the next day and, you know, yeah, you'll be a little sore afterwards, but you won't be so too sore to play again. Now I'm 36 and, you know, I can't stay up that late. I don't have the energy to. You know, if I play, if I do what a physical activity, I feel it for the next couple of days. I mean, that may be a commentary of how out of shape I may be, but the point is, is that as you get older, you know, all the stuff that you did that didn't bother you really starts catching up on you. And as a hockey player, that gets magnified because when you think about it, it's not just the NHL game and all the mileage there. It's also how, how many hits and injuries did they take playing in the AHL or playing junior hockey or playing, you know, Internationally, at like world juniors tournaments or world championships, like all this stuff eventually catches up to you. And in a sport where teams are always looking to get younger, so everybody's getting faster, so losing that step really is a big detriment. And with the way that teams are constructing themselves, including the Kings, including the Devils, despite their records and their performances or lack thereof, you know, you don't have specialists or one dimensional players anymore because everybody's got to contribute to everything you know it doesn't matter if alec martinez was once a statistical darling he's got to help out on offense if you want that offense to go because if he doesn't that offense is at a serious detriment or alternatively if jeff carter doesn't want to back check then jeff carter is not helping helping the cause regardless, regardless if he's if he's able to score a goal or not and again as these guys get older no matter how much they train Again, if they pick up big injuries and had them in the past, it all starts catching up to them. And next thing you know, you blink and you're like, okay, I'm 33. And uh, (laughs) I'm literally the oldest player on my team. And I'm slower than everyone else. And I can't do the stuff I used to do that made me get the contract that I have today. It sucks, but it's a little thing we call life. (laughs) And that's what we're finding out.
1: Uh, Yes. Uh, I was recently at the AHL All-Star Game. I had three hours of sleep and then I had to go to work and I was dying the whole day. I was like, how do people when they're 18 function on three hours of sleep and now I am no longer 20 years old and I'm just, (sighs) I I couldn't do it. But, you know, it's (laughs) – I I will say this. I guess, you know, sometimes genetics does play a big role. Jeff Carter, for what it's worth, he has 16 goals in 55 games. He is 35 years old. He is definitely in the best shape of his life. So thank you to his wife, Megan, for tweeting that picture. (laughs) There was a picture that she tweeted out a while ago that some very thirsty social media person on the NHL's Twitter account said – tweeted out, and I was like, bless you. Jeff Carter's, like, standing there with his kids, like, with this insane, it's not even a six-pack, it's, like, an eight-pack. I'm like, oh, man, this dude. Uh, Why can't, why can't we all be Jeff Carter, where we have really good genetics and, like, a really good health plan? Uh, well, not health plan, but I, I don't know how much time he spends in the gym or whatnot, but, you know, good genetics and, and everything, where, you work out for six hours and you look amazing and you can function on three hours of sleep without feeling like you're going to be dying.
0: Well, keep in mind, you don't know what's going on. That that's not in the picture. Like, you know, in the case of Carter, you know, you don't know with the fact that, you know, he has the APAC because he literally can only eat an apple once a day. And, um, you know, you don't know if, you know, they may look happy in the photo, but you know, in the inside of Carter, maybe like, I can't wait till the off season because I need to sleep. (laughs) Um, And it just gets harder. You know, I mean, I guess the best example we could think of is Yarmir Yager, who literally tries to kill himself before every game, you know, with the exercises (laughs) and the weighted pucks and the the Kevlar vests, that's also adding an extra 10 to 15 pounds. And he does that hours before a game. So this way, the game doesn't bother him as much. But even (laughs) then, Yager had to stop playing in the NHL because he admitted he can't do it anymore. And, therefore, that's why he's playing in the Czech Republic with the team he owns. Um, You know, father time catches up to everybody. And you're right that Carter may be in the best shape aesthetically in his life. But inside, you know, one bad hit, one bad turn of the skate, (laughs) one shot block, and uh, the best shape of his life may become a wreck. And, unfortunately, that's just how life goes in hockey and in general, really. Man, this has become a very (laughs) depressing uh, uh, (laughs) not to
1: not to depress you further but before we wrap this up i want to touch on uh the the special teams because the king's special teams stink they're not good no (laughs) well their power play was doing really well for most of january and then it just kind of fizzled out after the all-star break so uh they're their PK is pretty decent, unlike, you know, your PK, Subban.
0: I don't know. The team Doesn't the Kings have a 74% success rate, which is like 26th in the league right now?
1: Overall, yes, but I'm saying in January, they're... Oh, they're... yeah,
0: okay. In recent weeks, it may have been better. Okay, I, I can understand that. Well, the Devils special teams continue to be... Uh, following a very familiar pattern of the power play being inconsistent and uh, damaging at, at, at times, uh, they've <laughs> actually had given up the most, or they, no, they definitely gave up the most shorthanded goals in January. They gave up seven. Um, they they scored like ten power play goals, so they were only a plus three on their uh, power plays, which is abjectly terrible. And you know sometimes they'll run a power play that looks perfect. They run a great play. They even may even score on it. You're going, great. This is great. This is wonderful. Later that same period, the team doesn't know how to play with an extra man. That's just how it goes. Uh, they're just not well coached because, and the execution just isn't there. Um, the penalty kill has been consistently good, provided that the goaltender is having a good game because your goaltender always needs to be your best penalty killer. Um, and under Nazardine, the goaltending has been much better than it was under Hines, So that has been a plus. But Again, Zaka has been an amazing penalty kill forward. Coleman has been very good. Travis Zajac has been uh, a longstanding mainstay of the penalty kill, which has been good. Kevin Rooney, who's a fourth liner who otherwise does nothing in five-on-five that isn't good. Um, He turns into a, a decent penalty killer himself. The defense, Andy Green, who is definitely aging poorly at age 37, but he is a monster on the penalty kill. So the Devils skaters on the penalty kill have been very, very good. And they kept Philadelphia to very little and even scored a shorthanded goal just recently. So I guess the I guess the real main takeaway here is that uh, the Kings power play may have some struggles. And uh, good luck if you give up a turnover to uh, Coleman or Zaka because it may <laughs> end up in the back of the net. And if the Devils take a power play, well, don't be so worried. Because who knows? <laughs> Roll a die. If it comes up a six, then you can be worried. If it comes up like any of the other five numbers, eh, don't worry so much.
1: Well, this game should be, you know, I It'll keep saying interesting, but I, I think it really will be, for lack of a better word, it should be a fun game to watch because we have no idea what's going to happen.
0: This is true. Lots of, lots of weird things can happen in this game. <laughs> You know the Devils beat a Tampa Bay team that had ten straight wins going into that game.
1: Oh yes, lucky you. The Kings twice. The Devils (laughs)
0: proceeded to lose their next three.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, okay. So the Kings twice had two goal leads on the Tampa Bay uh, Lightning, and twice they lost in regulation. Well, no, sorry. Once they lost in a shootout to Tampa, uh, because they could not handle playing down with an extra man. Uh, Sorry, they could not handle the. Uh, six man on the ice, uh, in the oh, last yeah, the minute.
0: Extra skater.
1: The extra skater. Yes. And then the last, the second time was they just kind of, Tampa's just really good, I guess. And <laughs> they just can't, they couldn't keep up uh, even though they had a two goal lead. Tampa was just like, Oh no, no, no. We spotted you that two goal lead. So you'll feel better about yourselves.
0: Well, Unfortunately, you know, and that's, I guess, the other big thing about the game today is that, because uh, the Devils themselves recently blew a three goal lead to in a shootout loss in Montreal <laughs> on Tuesday. Um, granted, they didn't, well, anyway, the point is, is that, yeah, you're right, in this day and age, you can't just sit back on a three goal lead or a two goal lead unless you know the other team is playing like total garbage. Um, truth be told, a lot of teams play with that, uh, intensity to at least get to post regulation and that, and that. At that point, the game's up for grabs. So um, in terms of what what that means for tomorrow's game against the Kings, um, probably who knows. You know, again, roll a die, see what what you get, and then I guess base your feelings on that. At the minimum, it will be a hockey game. And then later this month, the the Devils will be in Los Angeles, and they'll get to do it all over again on a Thursday night, which is annoying for me in New Jersey because that means that game starts at 10. (laughs) And based on what I said earlier about being old, or older than I used to be, no, I won't be able to stay up and watch that game.
1: Well, you know, it's it's just the universe's way of testing you as a professional fan.
0: Yeah, this is true. And we must rise to the challenges. However, <laughs> I like getting paid at my day job. So that challenge, that challenge may not be met.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, you got any predictions for tomorrow?
0: Yes. Now, Robin, I don't know if you know this, but I've been a hockey blogger for, goodness, close to 14 years <laughs> since I started All About the Jersey in 2006. I'm sorry, I started in Louis Trust, which became All About the Jersey in 2006. And I've learned this lesson, and I give this to you, Robin, and everyone else who's listening. To be a successful person online with respect to creating anything, blogging, videoing, podcasting, etc. you need to be strong enough to be willing to be wrong, <laughs> So I don't mind making a prediction. Just keep in mind, it's likely going to be wrong. And I'm personally okay with being wrong, because I'm strong enough to be wrong, Robin. That being said, the Devils are going to win 4-1. All
1: right, so it's going to be a 5-4 loss.
0: In regulation or beyond regulation?
1: Yes. I don't know. (laughs) It's going to be a shootout win for the Kings. This is the probably Kings, this the Kings
0: is, have not won a shootout yet this season. In fact, they've only been to two of them.
1: I thought they won once. Nope. No.
0: Unless, unless I misread NHL.com.
1: <sighs> Look, it's been a long season. I can't keep up with every game, okay?
0: Okay. All right. <laughs> I could be wrong. Maybe they did win a shootout.
1: <laughs> <No>. Who knows? <laughs> you're you're probably right. They're not so good in the shootout.
0: Well, they don't get there very often, so.
1: That's true. You know, they're,
0: gonna
1: do? they're better, they're slightly better in overtime where they have a 50-50 record, but they're, this they're better yeah. at three on three.
0: Yes. And the Devils have been not good in three on three. So.
1: Oh, so maybe then it'll be uh, an overtime win for the Kings.
0: It could be. Possibly.
1: Maybe Alex Iafalo will resurrect whoever it was that played in Arizona and he'll score the hat-trick game-winning goal again. That would be awesome.
0: You know what I said (laughs) earlier about being wrong? (laughs) I think you're going to be wrong, Robin. But are you strong (laughs) enough to be wrong? That's not for me to decide.
1: (laughs) I'm strong enough to be wrong because I'm 99.999% wrong most of the time. Okay. So I'm
0: willing to admit it.
1: Yes. I this is probably gonna be wrong. I mean, they they probably will lose like 3-1 or 5-2 or something like that, because that's just kind of the way the, the King season is going. Well,
0: we shall see what happens on the ice tomorrow at the Prudential Center. <laughs> 7 p.m. I, is I, time.
1: I, I think I've covered all my bases. I've got the close game, the shootout, the 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 overtime, or the blowout. So it could go one of those four ways.
0: Yep. <laughs> a- anything is truly possible when you set your mind to it.
1: <laughs> Either way, a game will be played at the Prudential Center. A
0: game will be played at the Prudential Center. This is true.
1: All right. Well, rock on, John, and have a good night. Thanks for joining me.
0: Thank you for having me, Robin.